everybody. This is Claire Cook, and you are listening to the Natural Mama Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because I have brought in Caitlin Townsend onto the show. She is a functional nutritional therapist who specializes in fertility. So we're going to talk all about fertility and the optimal diet and nutrition for conceiving. We talk about men's health as well as women's health, and we touch here and there on pretty much everything that can affect your fertility. And something that nobody ever tells you is that one in every six couples experiences problems with fertility. So it's extremely common, more common than you realize. And Caitlin's going to tell us why that is. So... Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So I am very excited to have you here today. I've been looking forward to this interview with you for a while. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Caitlin and I am the founder of the Fix Your Fertility program. And this started a long time ago with my own personal journey. So I actually went to school because I have always had like a huge love affair with food. So I went to the Culinary Institute of America in New York and just, you know, ate all the most amazing things and got to travel to so many different places and work in in so many restaurants. And I just loved it. But then I ended up getting married to my husband and we wanted to start a family and, you know, as happens many times, nothing ended up happening. Mm. So we kind of went down the rabbit hole and we went um, to see all of the different doctors and they all said we were healthy, like perfectly healthy. There's nothing we can do for you except for IVF. And I just knew, I was like, this does not make sense at all. Um, If we're healthy, why do we need to do something that is so drastic? And so I actually ended up going back to school so that I could be my own advocate and find, you know, the answers that nobody was giving to me. Right. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I went back to school to become a functional nutritional therapist and really fell in love with women's health. I was just amazed at all the things that we weren't taught when we were younger. And so now I really focus on fertility and helping women who are struggling to conceive to get pregnant naturally. All right. Functional nutritional therapy. That's a modality that is kind of new to me. So I'm very interested in that. And I think it's incredible that that is another route for people who are struggling with fertility. Absolutely. Yeah. So I deal with um, everything that has to do with women's health, you know, so really from the ground up, like if you, if women have any issues with their um, cycles, with their periods, with hormones, um, You know, I use a lot of functional lab testing, which really helps to get to the root cause. So I love to see all the numbers, but I use a food as medicine type approach really to get, you know, to get to the root cause. So I marry my love affair with food and, you know, um, I'm just able to bring like the whole picture around together and just to teach people how to get back to the foundations of health. What a genius combination. That's so great that you could (laughs) use your food, you know, experience and um, culinary experience and bring that into 
um, the science, you know, the field of science and medicine. Yeah. So functional nutritional therapy. I love that. I'm just obsessed with the whole concept because <laughs> functional medicine is one thing, but the fact that you're so focused on nutrition is very interesting to me. So actually, if you listen to my third episode on the podcast, um, I talk a lot about pre-pregnancy wellness and fertility. And um, a lot of what I talk about is changing your diet in order to be at the most optimal state physically in order to conceive. And that's interesting that you went to doctors who look at you and say, you're totally healthy. And right. you, maybe you didn't have what like diabetes or something like blatant, mm -hmm. but um, the fact that diet is so overlooked in conventional medicine baffles me because it is the core of our being and it's lit it's what we're putting into our bodies that affect everything so i love that you say you use food as medicine can you dive a little bit deeper into that absolutely yeah so kind of going back to what you were saying beforehand when i went to the doctors um they didn't ask me anything about my diet you know they did not ask me was I sleeping okay? How much water was I drinking? Did I drink a lot of coffee? Um, you know, any any questions about my period, they just kind of looked at and asked, oh, are you ovulating? Are you taking ovulation predictor kits? You know, do you do that kind of thing? And so they didn't do any kind of deep dive into like the foundations, the basic questions that I would be asking. And so I just thought that that was so unusual because it really matters, you know, getting into these, you know, foundations of health, like how much water do you actually drink? You know, are you over consuming with the caffeine or do you drink a lot of sodas or eat a lot of sweets or, you know, all of these little, little tiny details, even though we think it might not add up to the big picture for some of us, it really does. Yeah. And it's for a lot of us. I mean, a lot of us are seemingly healthy or we, you know, think we live healthy lifestyles, but, you know, behind closed doors, we're dealing with infertility. How common is a struggle with fertility? Yeah, it's amazing because it's becoming so much more common nowadays, which is really scary. So it's actually one in six couples and fertility, I always tell, you know, my clients that it is definitely a team sport. So it's not just all on the lady, you know, mm -hmm. so sperm count has been drastically reducing drastically since the 1960s. And we're at almost half of what it used to be. So that's just, that just blows my mind. So, you know, diet affects men's sperm health as well as ex exogenous sources. So for instance, like the things that they are putting on their body, maybe their shampoos or their deodorants, or maybe they drink like a certain kind of um, protein powder that's like a workout kind of powder. You know, a lot of these things can have not very good products in them and they can really mess with both men and women's hormones. Okay. That's very interesting because we hear that, you know, one thing that we always hear is like BPA, oh, this plastic is mm -hmm. BPA free. And we know that that is an endocrine disruptor, meaning it does disrupt your healthy, natural level of hormones or hormone mm -hmm. production. Yes. 
And um, that's one thing that we hear all the time. I don't think everyone understands exactly what that means, the BPA issue. What are some other things that we hear that we should avoid, but we may not understand why? Or what are the consequences of being exposed to things like BPA, pesticides, herbicides? And how does that actually affect us on an individual basis? Yeah, so, you know, it really does add up. We There is such a toxic overload that our bodies are dealing with every single day that, you know, back in the olden times, they didn't have to deal with this at all because there weren't these chemicals around. There weren't these products that we use. And we think of them, or maybe we don't think of them at all. So like our cleaning supplies, all the things that we use to clean our house with, um, you know, if you are in like a closed off bathroom and you are spraying all the different chemicals, maybe maybe it starts to make your throat tickle and you start to cough a little bit. Well, that's your body saying like, this is not good for us to breathe in. We do not like this at all. And even if you're not coughing, if you're just spraying all the different, um, what are those like aromatic, like kind of- um, The air fresheners. Yes, yes. <laughs> to make your house smell fresh. Let's try opening some windows, you know, so there are always healthier, better alternatives and you want to check out all the ingredients. I always tell my clients, like read the ingredients on everything, but the odd thing is for a lot of these household cleaners and things like that, there isn't even an ingredient list. So that makes you wonder and you're like, what, what is in this stuff? Um, So you know, there's lots of great alternatives to making your own um, natural cleaners, but of course, not everybody has the time for that. So there's a lot of good brands out there that you can buy. Um, And so you want to look at every little thing, like your cleaning supplies, your cooking, what you're cooking with. Are you using like a lot of Teflon based pans, non-stick? Yeah. So non- So nonstick pans, you know, when you're using them a lot and sometimes you'll get little scratches and part of the plastic starts to kind of come up a little bit. It's like lost in your scrambled eggs. Yeah. Oh yeah. That must be delicious. Yeah. So, you know, so there again, you're eating off of plastic, but we don't think of this a lot. We're just like, oh, this is great for my eggs. They don't stick at all. Um, So a better alternative really would be either a stainless steel or a cast iron. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're heating these um, coated pans, then they really are releasing like off-gassing these noxious chemicals that get into our system and they really start to play wreak havoc on our hormones, especially estrogen. So they will kind of mimic estrogens and then our body is like, oh, well, we don't have to produce a whole lot of this. And so we're not going to anymore. And then, then our hormones are all out of whack and it's these weird, not normal hormones that are going on in our body. So it's just... We want to try to really little by little clean our house out. You know, we don't definitely don't want to stress over it, but, you know, one room at a time, if you can go through and kind of declutter and take a look at really the products that you're using, this would be so good, not just for your fertility, but for your overall health. Mm -hmm. And also for the health of your future child, because they're definitely affected by these things. Their bodies are so um, underdeveloped that they can't actually detox things like we can, you know? Yes. Yes. And then it's like, I mean, even, you know, they say women use like over 160 different products on their bodies. So when you think of 
like the uh, shampoos that they use and the soaps and the lotions, you know, that maybe like Bath and Body Works products or just all the different, the makeups that aren't, you know, clean and just different things like that. They just have so many chemicals. So we really have to just become more aware of this, what we're putting on our body because our skin is the largest organ, right? Um, our liver has to process all the things that we put on our skin. That is very scary because you don't really realize how much piles up. Like you can think, oh, well, I just replaced my, you know, Windex with this seventh generation brand, whatever, right. cleaner that's healthy. And yeah, we're good. Like we live a detox, I mean, a no tox life. Well, yeah, but then you're doing, you know, your mascara, your eye makeup remover, your perfume, your hairspray, whatever, all your these laundry things. detergent. Yes. yes. And so you don't realize how surrounded by toxins we are. And yes. the scary thing is that they just like pile up on top of each other. And that's what I kind of wanted to say is like, if you do live a generally toxin free lifestyle, but you have like this laundry detergent that you didn't realize was really bad for you. That one thing by itself may not be like the end of the world, but it's when it's that one thing piled on top of so many other things, that's whenever it really causes an issue, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and of course, we don't want anybody to overly stress over any of these things. It's just like become aware and little by little, really just go room to room. And when you can afford it or when something runs out, then just replace it with something that's a better option. Yeah, that's a good way to approach it. Okay, so that is more like lifestyle. So let's get back to diet and how that can directly affect our fertility. Absolutely. So think about, I like to just always ask my clients like, all right, describe your entire day, you know, start with the morning. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, I wake up in the morning and I have a couple of cups of coffee and I rush out because I have to go to work and I have to do this and that. So I don't have breakfast. And then sometimes I might just um, snack on something really quick for lunch or pick something up at the drive-thru. And, you know, so you can kind of see where this pattern is going. It's such a rushed life and we never sit down to eat in a calm atmosphere and we're skipping a lot of meals or we're supplementing with, um, you know, maybe like a, a protein mix or like a, you know, a smoothie is our like entire meal. And we wonder why we have really low energy and then why we have to have more coffee in the afternoon to wake us up. And then we have to have like alcohol in the, and in the evenings, you know, to really wind us down and get us ready. Yeah. A glass of wine. And, it's good for the heart, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do like my red wine, but you know, it's like moderation for sure. Mm -hmm. So the important thing to do is really to think about you know, okay, so your body has to have fuel to run. And so you wouldn't just expect to hop in your car and not fill it up with gas and go on a road trip. Of course, you're going to fill it up with gas. So that's exactly what we have to do with our body. In the morning, especially, you've been fasting all night long. You haven't been eating or drinking any water. So in the morning, the first thing you really want to start with before you reach for that cup of coffee is 
to really hydrate yourself with good water. You know, maybe a little lemon water in the morning will get your digestion going and get everything revved up. And, you know, that's just a great way to start your morning. So always start with hydration, hydrating yourself. Yeah, I've recently, I mean, I know that, God, I know I'm supposed to drink more water. I know that. (laughs) But um, recently, maybe the past like two weeks, I really started making it a priority to drink like I use a Nalgene, like one of those big bottles that's like yes. hiking. Mm-hmm. I like force. I just chug as much of an entire Nalgene as possible, and it mm-hmm. makes such a difference. I do it before I even get out of bed because mm-hmm. you're right. You're sleeping all night. You're dehydrated when you wake up, and that just really helps get things going. And also with the lemon. I do it whenever I can because it does help with metabolism, but it also helps um, support your liver, which is your natural, which is your organ for detoxing. So when we're talking about all these toxins around us, the smallest thing we can do is have a little bit of lemon in our water to help support our body's natural ability to detox. So I try to do that. Um, But here's a quick question. What about like, there's so many diet fads and trends and um, a lot of people are doing this intermittent fasting where they don't eat anything in the morning or whatever for a certain amount of time, or they don't eat late at night and um, they just give themselves what, like 12 hours of fasting. What is your opinion on that? And how, how would that, for example, that particular diet trend affect fertility? Yeah, great question. So intermittent fasting is really good for women who are in their menopause years, and it's better for some men to do. So a lot of men really thrive off of that diet. Um, And women who are cycling can do it, but they should do it during a certain time period. So it should be like you eat an earlier dinner around five or six or so, you know, 630 or so. And then you don't eat any late night snacks or anything like that. So you are doing your intermittent fasting all through the night while you're sleeping. And then in the morning you wake up and you have your breakfast. So that's your 12 hours. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay. Then wake up, drink your water, hydrate. And And yes, then you want to have your good nutrient dense breakfast. This is going to really set you up for the rest of your day so that your blood sugar isn't going crazy and hectic like it can if you skip breakfast. So a lot of times people are like, I'm not hungry in the morning. And that is an indication that your adrenals are off and maybe your blood sugar um, is off as well. So that could be like late night snacking or you didn't have a very nutrient dense dinner the night before, or you had too much, you know, so there's all different kinds of signs and symptoms that your body is always telling you, but ease into things always have within an hour of waking a little something to eat. And ideally you really want to focus on having good quality protein, um, always good fiber and good quality fat. So what would be an example? What would be like the best, what would be the breakfast of champions in your opinion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I would do, um, for something quick, you know, you could scoop a handful of arugula, you know, baby arugula, put it on a plate, drizzle a little olive oil. I know this sounds a little odd, but then you want to have like two eggs over top of it and maybe half of an avocado, or you want to have one egg and a really good quality um, sausage patty, you know, from a good source. Um, So 
you're getting your greens, you're getting your good fat, you're getting your protein, you know, it's going to set you all up for the entire day. And we really need to focus on getting more greens in our diet. And I know it's weird to have greens for breakfast, but think of all the other cultures around the world that do this on a daily basis. So Asian cultures will have a lot of like miso soup and with lots of veggies in it. Um, You know, so it's, we are so used to like the standard American diet that has cereal, you know, cold cereal in the morning or pancakes or waffles or something really, really sweet and sugary. Mm. And everyone else is starting their mornings with something warm and hot. And that warmth is really amazing for your uterus. You know, they say like, warm food, warm uterus. You really want to keep it nice and warm. You don't want to always have cold foods. That makes it much harder for your body to digest all of this cold food, like ice cold water. Whenever you go to restaurants, they always give you ice cold water. Um, not for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But whenever you go to like an Asian restaurant, they always have hot tea, like a Jasmine tea, you know, with your meal. So you really want to be focusing on these warm, Food. So a cold, cold smoothie in the morning is really not ideal. It's a little more harsh on your digestion. Okay. And so whenever you are talking about food, you're saying like having a really nutrient dense breakfast to help with blood sugar spikes. And how can your blood sugar affect your fertility? I know that that's a huge um, culprit whenever you have out of balance blood sugar. Can you explain a little bit about that? Definitely. So your blood sugar is connected to so many different things. And think about if it's always on this roller coaster ride of up and down and up and down, it's going to be going to be releasing so many different hormones like insulin, which is really harsh on your pancreas and your liver. And so all of these other organs are having to work extra hard just to stabilize your blood sugar. And they are going to prioritize stabilizing this than prioritizing anything that has to do with reproduction. So reproduction is always kind of on the bottom of the totem pole. Um, Everything else is in the forefront. Like your body is always wanting to make sure survival is the number one thing. So when your blood sugar spikes, your cortisol hormones spike, which is your stress response. Mm -hmm. And then remember I said, your body is always like, oh my gosh, we need to survive. We're in survival mode now. We are going to cut off all reproduction. So Mm -hmm. therefore reproduction isn't going to happen because your body is always stressed because your blood sugar is um, always spiked. And how do we avoid that? I mean, we do live in a fast paced world. We do. Start by, you know, having a nutritious, being conscious about our food and conscious about our products or household products and things like this. But when we are on the go and whenever you do have young kids, but you still for some reason want another one (laughs) running around. um, And it is so fast that sometimes like for me as a mom of just one, I have a toddler, but he is wild. It's so hard for me to just sit down for five minutes by myself, breathe. And I'm definitely not the only one, you know, so absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) We do live in this fast paced world. So I guess like, what are the easy things we can do to help ourselves? Obviously eating, eating well, when we do have time to sit down and eat. And what about like, for me, one of my easy snacks 
which I know is not the best, is like a piece of toast with like peanut butter on it, like something quick and easy. And I know it's not great at all, but like what, I don't know, like, what do you tell your (laughs) clients who are living in such a fast paced lifestyle? Like how do they actually slow down and like what little changes can they actually do? That is such a good question because a lot of my clients are just living in this crazy, hectic world. They have, you know, a couple of young children and this is a difficult stage in your life, right? (laughs) Where you are so busy all the time. Um, So what I suggest you do is, you know, um, batch cooking is always a good idea so that you can just grab and go a lot of things. So you're, you'll have like a handful of all your roasted veggies are already done. Mm -hmm. Um, Cook off like a bunch of protein ahead of time. So you already have like your roasted chicken breasts. Like I'll make up a bunch of different kinds of I call them sausage patties, but they're made with like either ground beef or ground lamb or Mm -hmm. a good quality ground pork or something like that with lots of different herbs and all of that kind of stuff. So it's literally like grab a hard boiled egg, grab a sausage patty and put it over some greens, you know, then you can just woof it down really quickly, which isn't (laughs) ideal, but, um, or else you can find some good quality, like nutrient dense snacks that can hold you over until you can have a moment of peace. Yeah. Um, so there are some good kind of like, um, I think Zara is a good company that's kind of like, kind of like jerky, but not really. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's like a good protein substance. Um, if you do want to make some kind of smoothie, but like a warm hot latte, I love good hot lattes with a little good quality collagen Ooh. in them or hemp seeds are really good, um, complete protein as well. So the, um, if you add hemp seeds into your blender and blend it up, it makes it really, really creamy. So it could be like a turmeric latte. It could be like a dandy blend latte, which is really good for your liver. Um, and lot adding in like lots of good fat, like coconut mana, um, or ghee, butter, that kind of thing. Um, so that will hold you over for sure. Um, but it's, it's really tricky, you know, and we, as women, we don't ask for help, um, a lot right. of times because we're like, I'll just do it myself. I know how to do it. I'll do it myself. It's easier so, if I do it. It's better <laughs> if I do it. <laughs> it is, it is, I'm sure. But so sometimes you just have to be like, ask your husband, like, look, I need half an hour break to myself, you know, Mm -hmm. to eat lunch and then we'll switch off and then you eat lunch, you know? So that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It really is. And we do live in such a fast paced world that something has to go, but it can't be our health, you know? So it's like, what else can we take away? You know, how else can we, maybe like, we don't do that afternoon, um, school practice where we're driving our kid here and there and everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just like cut out something and it can't be your health. That is so true. That's like something I definitely need to always have in the back of my mind because I feel like other moms are probably the same as like, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner because we're like living for these kids and for the family and to make sure everyone's taken care of and everything's done. And, and we put ourselves on the back burner and I definitely need to, to do a better job of that, of, you know, demanding my time and not demanding. That sounds really harsh, but, um, having a nice conversation with my husband about, (laughs) about, 
you know, my needs. And I think a lot of us, Absolutely. Our, our needs fall to the wayside. Um, first of all, let me backtrack. I'm super inspired by all the energy boosting snack ideas that you just said, particularly yes. the turmeric latte with hemp seeds Ooh. that I really want to make one right now. That sounds really yeah, good. Yeah. It's so delicious. It's so good. You know, add a little bit of cinnamon in there and that's really going to help to stabilize your blood sugar as well. Ooh, yum. And then also I love hemp seeds because I'm actually, I'm pescatarian. So I do eat fish and seafood occasionally, but I yes. get most of my nutrients and protein from plant-based sources. But at the same time, I'm very against processed foods. And that I have found is a really difficult issue for a lot of plant-based eaters like vegans or vegetarians is that the quote meat replacements or the protein options out there are mm. really processed. And absolutely. Um, like, what is your opinion on like tofu and tempeh and what's seitan? Seitan? I don't know how to say it. Yeah. That. You know, so um, processed, but like, they really you, are. You know? Um, and from a fertility standpoint, so I don't recommend a lot of, um, the soy based products. Right. Um, just because a lot of people, a lot of women have, you know, estrogen dominance issues and soy is good for women at other times of their life. So maybe like when they're in menopause and different things like that. Um, so, but it's not so great when you are estrogen dominant, when you have a lot of those symptoms. So what would be some symptoms of that? Uh, breast tenderness right before your period, a lot of, um, all the PMS symptoms. So when you're like very emotional or have lots of cramps or, you know, your cycle is very different. Um, you have a really heavy flow, um, let's see. So yeah, lots, of, lots of mood swings, different things like that can be a sign of estrogen dominance. And you would do a functional test. Like what type of functional testing would you do to find that out? Or is it just like a blood test or what do you, how do you know that? No. Yeah. So most of the people go and get blood tests, but that is actually not the most accurate form of testing for hormones, especially because um, you're only testing for that one day when you take, and actually that one hour. So mm. when you do your blood draw, it's only like, oh, here's your three o'clock hormones when your hormones are going for your entire cycle, you know, for that entire 28 days or however long your cycle is. So it's really important to get the right testing. And I do a saliva panel, which is not as invasive because it literally is just spitting in a tube. Mm -hmm. And, but it goes, there's about 11 different vials. So it goes throughout your entire cycle. So you take 11 different samples throughout on certain days of your cycle, and it's going to give you such a better picture into exactly what your estrogen is doing, how your progesterone is, is it long enough in the luteal phase, you know, what is going on and it can really pinpoint exactly where the problem is. That is so amazing. I was actually just talking to a girlfriend of mine. We meet every Friday to go rock climbing. Ooh, wow. <laughs> and she um, goes to a functional medicine doctor. So she was just telling me that she thought she had a hormone imbalance and she was getting her test done. But the doctor, her conventional doctor told her to do a blood test, but her mm -hmm. functional medicine doctor told her to do this saliva thing, just like you explained. Awesome. Um, so she is doing that. That's really cool. I just love, I don't know how 
how specific functional medicine is. Yes. And I wish it was more well-known, you know, because it really breaks my heart when people have spent all of this money and done these tests, but they're not the right tests. You know, they don't really show the big picture and Mm -hmm. it's very, it's frustrating, you know? So it's like, now you have to go back and get all these other tests and they are expensive and half the time insurance doesn't cover it, unfortunately. Yeah. And you leave with no answers and you leave more questions, which is extremely frustrating. Absolutely. Okay. So we have our functional medicine testing to see our hormone levels. And this is all female focused right now, what we're talking about. What is something that our partners can do and how do we kind of evaluate them to make sure that they may actually be the issue when it comes to infertility, right? Yeah. So I love this question because a lot of times you see clients who, when you talk to the man, then he has only had one testing done and the woman has done all of these pretty invasive tests, you know, um, the, the dye test where they're shooting like a blue dye up into your fallopian tubes to see if they are open and clear. It's not comfortable at all. Um, so you have to do all these different ones. And the guy only has to do a semen analysis, which when I talk to my husband, he's had to do a couple of these. Mm-hmm. He uh, moaned and complained and really like made us such a huge stink about it. And I finally was like, okay, buddy, you know, I know it's awkward <laughs> and I know it's not pleasant, but you know, you do get a pleasant ending out of this test. Exactly. I do not. <laughs> so I have my knees in the air and somebody, you know, not that, that I do not know between my legs, you know, so not pleasant at all. Right. Um, Yeah. So for men, it's really important to get their tests done and to know which ones to do. So there are so many more beyond just the typical semen analysis that they can do. Um, So I really suggest getting their their blood work done. So that is a good blood test to check like their um, their vitamin D levels. What is their vitamin B? You know, what's their cholesterol like that is a basic one that insurance normally covers Mm -hmm. that just goes over their overall health. But a hormone male testing, male test is really um, very important as well. So test his adrenals. What is his cortisol doing? What is, what are his stress hormones doing? You know, is he under a whole lot of stress? Um, What is his testosterone? How is his testosterone level? That's incredibly important to know Mm -hmm. um, for men. But there are a lot of different things that you can do just by looking at guys. So when you, and so many American men have this now, but so many younger American men are getting like a lot of belly fat or mm-hmm. um, even man boobs, you know, mm-hmm. that's not a scientific term, but we all know what that means. <laughs> Gynecomastia. Um, thank you. <laughs> so all of these are signs of estrogen dominance, which as we talked about before, this can come from different chemicals. This can come from his diet. Um, is he eating a lot of soy products? You know, so this and his blood sugar, obviously, like is definitely off when he has this added weight and different things. So when you when you see a man like this and he's an estrogen dominance, he is going to have lower testosterone. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing when it comes to fertility at all, because that definitely affects sperm count, um, motility and morphology men in like the 60s are so different even physically if you look at them in general 
men in the right. 60s were leaner they weren't necessarily like bulky fit you know they were like right. lean fit not fat yeah not fat yes <laughs> like, yes and typically now are a little bit more yeah the weight distribution is in more feminine areas if you will like your chat yes. your breast tissue and your you know around your waist and also a direct correlation is the sperm quality right so absolutely what's yes. going on in the past i don't know what 60 years do you have what's your your opinion on what's happening i really just think it's so much of the chemicals that are in the environment that we put on our body and the chemicals that are in the processed foods that we're eating nowadays so i mean we have just really got to become aware of that and fast food is not you know, a good, good path to be on. So, right. I just, I think it's so wild to see a very scary evolution. And absolutely, it really is alarming. And, you know, I think we should all take this in, into consideration, like the average sperm count today, which is considered optimal is 50% less than what it was in the 1960s. So it's very scary. And I think that needs to wake people up, especially people like who are struggling with infertility and the medical doctors around who work with fertility issues. I yes. think we really do need to shift our focus on men and have more a more complete understanding of their health. Yes. One thing that I learned that I found was interesting was that the state of health that a man is in today affects the sperm count and quality three months from now, right? Yeah, that's so true. So, and it's the exact same pattern, which is, I think, so beautiful. The way that the humans bo human bodies work is the same thing happens with the egg. So three months ago, whatever egg came out today when you were ovulating was created three months ago, just like the sperm. Oh. So, and that's why a lot of fertility programs are they say, okay, you need to take at least three months to really prepare your body, stop trying to conceive right now, you know, really prepare your body. And then after three months, you can go ahead and start to try conceiving. I did not know that about the egg as well. Isn't that amazing? I that know. is so, it's just, uh, nature is so amazing. And I think yes. that reminds me of like how it's so important to be in sync with your partner and that a fertility journey is not just a woman trying to fix her diet or a man trying to fix his diet. If you're, you know, a couple and you're actively trying, you should be working together, right? Because if I'm eating well, then you're eating well. And <laughs> if we do it together, yes. then it's easier to cut out alcohol with a partner rather than doing it alone, you know? Absolutely. And yes. And you just have to think that he's carrying 50% of the DNA that's going to be part of your child. And so are you, you know, so you want to be able to try to give the best that you can to your child. Absolutely. So what do you know about, this is just a topic that I'm very intrigued by, is epigenetics. What do you know about that in terms of like how external factors can affect genes? Yes. Absolutely. So I love, um, I love genes. I got my genes tested. My husband's tested is really interesting what it shows. Um, so for instance, it can show you whether you are a fast or slow metabolizer of caffeine. 
So, you know, some people who are like, oh my gosh, I just can't handle even a cup of coffee or other people are like, I can drink coffee at 10 o'clock at night and it doesn't affect me. So that is a genetic thing going on with them. Um, And it, yeah. And it will show you so many different things, whether you process um, vitamin B efficiently or not, you know, through the MTFFR gene. Um, So it will tell you there's a worry gene that will say, okay, this person's gene for worrying can be turned on or off, which is just fascinating to me. Okay, wait, how is that possible? Isn't that interesting? Okay, so for instance, your genes don't determine your future or, you know, what's going to happen in your life because they can be turned on or off. This is the term epigenetics. So by your lifestyle, whatever type of lifestyle you live right now, if it is a like a pretty good, clean, healthy lifestyle, you are going to turn off some of the negative genes that you might have been born with. So maybe you have more genes that are leading towards like Alzheimer's or dementia or cancer or bad, you know, bad things that you don't want to happen later. You can turn these genes off or turn them on based on your lifestyle. That is so fascinating. It is. Is that maybe that could explain, like, for example, my sister, she probably doesn't mind that I'm referencing her, but she has celiac disease Mm -hmm. and she never had an issue her whole life until she went kind of through a really rough breakup when she was i don't know like 19 or 20 and then it was like pretty traumatic and she was very upset and like underwent a lot of heartbreak and really negative emotions and painful emotions and it was stressful and from that experience on she started having these digestive issues and she didn't know what it was for a long time. It was misdiagnosed or misunderstood until she found out she did the right testing and she found out that it was celiac disease, like a true, mm. you know, gluten allergy. Yes. And so I've heard that like your gluten allergies or certain allergies or certain, I don't know, like negative health experiences can be quote triggered would that be kind of like an epigenetic situation, like the external stressors being so overwhelming that it kind of switched on that gene for her? Is that? Yes. Yeah, that can definitely happen. And how do you get these genetic testing done? Because I am very, very curious. Yeah, there's a couple different companies that do it, and it's a really easy at-home test. Um I mean, obviously, like the big ones are 23andMe, but some of them can be really confusing to read. So you kind of might want to have a practitioner that is able to go through it with you because sometimes they just give you all of these really long genetic codes Mm -hmm. that you have. And so you're like, what the heck is this? Um, So it's a good idea to get a practitioner to help you with them. But there's a lot that you can do. And they're just a simple cheek swab and maybe like a little saliva test. And so they're really simple to do. Okay. And would you be a practitioner that could help read that the results to someone? Yeah. So I actually haven't been trained in reading genetics. I've gotten them done for myself and I really think it's interesting, but I have a couple of friends who I can recommend who have studied genetics and can tell you all the different functions. So I could definitely put that in the show notes. Cool. Definitely. We will do that. 
but I want to know what you can do for me. Like, <laughs> can we just like pretend that I'm one of your patients and absolutely see yes. like, what you can do for me and how I would do it? And this is actually real life. So I'll backtrack to when I first conceived my my first child, whenever my husband and I were trying. We had decided that we wanted to start trying pretty much whenever I moved to Chile. So we were living in Spain up until this point, And then he moved to Chile like a few months before me while I decided to stay in Spain and backpack a little bit and like do the whole uh, Euro trip life for myself. And then I met wow. him in Chile. And that's when we had decided that's when we want to start trying. And I got pregnant the week I arrived there. Wow. So it was like, so it was meant to be, we were obviously on the right track. We were both in optimal health and it was just a really, um, really easy what we thought we're like, oh shit, like we're like fertile myrtle over here. Like <laughs> we have no problems. Well now, so our son is 19 months, almost 20 months old. And I always wanted to have my kids like two years apart. Well, we've been trying for the past probably like two or three months, but um, we're not pregnant yet. So I'm a real life, you know, patient. I have never had an issue with fertility apparently. And now we're trying every month and I'm getting my period every month. So what's something that I should look at in my own life or what would you recommend for myself and for my husband? Okay, perfect. So I know it can be frustrating, you know, especially when it happens so quickly the first time you're like, what? <laughs> I have to wait a couple of months to do this? Right. Um, so it can be very frustrating. So I recognize that. Um, but so you want to look into all kinds of little things. So how is your period? Do you have a really good cycle? Do you have any cramps or breast tenderness at all? So my period, my period is worse than it was before my, I had my first child. So once I got my first postpartum period back, it was obviously a little irregular. I got it at, I got it back pretty early around like three months postpartum mm -hmm. and um, still breastfeeding. I'm still breastfeeding today. So I don't, that hasn't really, I don't know how that's affected it. But uh, since then they have gotten increasingly more crampy, which I've never had cramps before. In fact, my periods were never an issue for me in general. Um, but now they're getting increasingly more crampy. That's pretty much the only thing I can say about that. Okay. And what, how long is your cycle? It's about 27 days. Okay. And how long is your period? Probably around like six days. Okay. And is the, is, is there a lot of clotting or, um, is it like, what color is it? Um, pretty, I mean, it's dark and it starts, um, light and then it stays pretty heavy for like four days mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say very cloudy. Okay. Um, okay. yeah. Okay. And no brown spotting or anything like that? Not, I mean, maybe in the very beginning, but not really no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's good. Um, so, you know, so first what we would do is I would give you like a really long health intake and this would go over your whole health history. So what you've been through, you know, how you were born, were you born vaginally, were you breastfed, were you not, you know, all of these things really make up who you are today. Mm. Um, and they really matter. It's really interesting. Um, and so we would go over that and based on your questions, I would be able to tell, are you 
deficient in essential fatty acids? Are, how is your blood sugar going? Um, you know, are you deficient in some minerals or vitamins? So this test that is not even like a lab test would be able to show me what's going on um, and maybe what you are deficient in. Mm -hmm. Then of course, you know, we would look more into your cycle. Are you tracking your cycle at all? Yeah, I am. I use the app MyFlow, um, mm -hmm. okay. but I don't find it to be super accurate. Okay. Because I also, like, I can feel when I'm ovulating. I can mm -hmm. feel the cramp, and I've always felt it my whole life. And so I'm very aware. I'm very, very in tune with my body and very aware of my cycle. And when I'm ovulating, I don't think is in line with what the tracker says. Yeah. Well, it's so good that you are in tune with your body because half the time those apps are inaccurate. Okay. So that's why it's really important to pay attention. Are you getting good quality cervical mucus right around, right before your ovulation? What would determine good quality? I mean, is it like, you know, it has to, what is it like sticky? And like when you pull your fingers apart, it like stretches. Yes. And you want to make sure that you're getting, you know, two days worth or more, two or three days worth. Okay. I guess I haven't really paid that much attention to that. So I need to focus on that. Yeah. Or, you know, and even if it's just one day, are you getting at least one day of good cervical mucus? Um, and so that's really good. Um, I'm sure you're drinking enough water. So we mentioned in the beginning, water is really important because that helps to increase cervical fluid as well as sperm. Okay. Um, fluid as well. Um, so, and then what we would start to do is we would do the functional lab test. So I would, there are four lab tests that I run and we always start with the gut. So okay. it sounds kind of weird. Like, why would you start with my gut if I'm trying to focus on fertility? But so many of the hormones are made in the gut. Um, if you have any inflammation going on, then like I said, your body's going to prioritize calming that gut inflammation versus reproduction. Mm -hmm. So we want to really heal and seal any kind of um, inflammation that's going on. You know, we want to heal and seal the gut and get rid of any inflammation. Um, and it will see what kind of food sensitivities maybe you have now that perhaps you didn't have beforehand. Um, and then we would go over an adrenal test, which is a saliva panel. And then the hormonal panel, which is another saliva one. So we would look at your stress hormones, what's going on with those and what is going on with your sex hormones. Is your testosterone too high? Is it just right? What's going on with your progesterone and your estrogen, your DHEA, which is like your vitality hormone. Um, so all of those things we would look at in detail and that would just give us the whole picture. Interesting. And then based on that, you would make like certain adjustments or exactly. So based on that, we would make your unique protocol based on your bio individuality. So, you know, what types of foods are right for you just because carrots are healthy. That doesn't mean they're right for you right now. Okay. That is so interesting. It is. I really want to do it. Okay. My husband and I are not, we're not really stressed about conceiving, but I probably am more than him, mostly because it's like so stupid, but mostly because I want my kids to be close together in age. Sure. Yes. <laughs> not for any like, you know, I'm young, I'm, my biological clock is not running out, you know, whatever. But I know that's a kind of a silly motivation, but still no, I'm very interested in doing this. And so I am in 
Louisiana, so I'm not even close to you, is how would I be able to, you know, access your help and your, your services? Well, that's the good thing is that it's all virtual. So I just mail and ship out the um, test kits to your door so you can do them all in the privacy of your own home. And then I get the results back to me so that I can go over them. And then we set up a time to go over everything together. It is a four month protocol. So, you know, things take time. You have to be patient and it takes time to make little changes here and there if you need to. And um, it takes at least three months to get to have the optimal egg and sperm. Yeah. So you would do my testing, but what about my husband? So I would love to do your husband's testing as well. And a lot of times we will do a joint thing um, and then we'll go over all the results together because it really is important to have his information as well. Definitely. Like you said, 50% of the exactly. child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm definitely interested in going further with you personally, but um. For anyone else who's listening, who's interested in this or wants a little bit more guidance and help in terms of fertility or just understanding their own bodies and their own physical health a little bit better to be in an optimal state of health. If anyone is interested in any of that, how can they reach you? What is your, what's your contact info? Perfect. So, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot under Nourish by Caitlin. And then my website as well is Nourished by Caitlin. So you can send me a DM. I'm really good about responding to everybody. Um, if you have any old paperwork or anything like that, I would be happy to look over things and mm -hmm. see if we are a good fit to work together. Awesome. Well, you've enlightened me on what it takes to go through this fertility journey yes. and how to do it optimally. And you are such a great support. You're so knowledgeable. I'm just so happy that I had you here today to share your information. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Natural Mama podcast. No need for FOMO. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can be the first to listen to each episode once it's fresh off the press. Follow me on Instagram at Natural Mama Podcast where you can stay updated and send me a DM with any questions, comments, or suggestions of topics you'd like to hear more about. Help me reach other women just like you by sharing, rating, or reviewing this podcast. Remember, we as women and mothers can truly make a difference in changing the narrative of pregnancy, childbirth, and motherhood.